Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Mudgear Battle Alliance Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis. I got a guest with me online before we get to him. A quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Yolked. Yolked is a supplement you take with protein after your workout, and clinical trials show three times the muscle growth. So it's a great product. It tastes really good. Um, it's actually like one of the best supplement products, period. Uh, made from fertilized egg yolk that's, yolk that's made safe to eat, and it's like a powdered substance. You can sprinkle it on stuff. You can take it straight. I like to take it straight. Uh, you can use code STRENGTH20 and save 20% off every single order from yolk.com. The Mudgear Battle Alliance Pro Team also uses it, so if anyone wants second opinions, you can hit them up or just check out their website. And uh, they've been a big supporter of the sport. They made it out to Savage Race, and uh, they've been supporting the team for the last, I think, two years. And then uh, me personally, they've reached out to me a couple times in the past since 2018. So, yeah, check them out, yolk.com. Use code STRENGTH20. All right, let's get to today's guest. Joining me, I have Dr. Conrad Bowie. Let me run through his bio real quick, and then we'll start talking to him. So if you remember a couple episodes ago, I guess it was like a year ago, we had Patrick Vuong on the podcast talking about Tiga Tactics and uh, martial arts. Well, I have the other half of the dynamic duo here. Uh, I've got Dr. Conrad. So I'm going to run through his bio. Fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo and American freestyle karate. Instructor, coach in Muay Thai. Black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, guru slash full instructor in New Breed Kali, guru slash full instructor in Penjak Salat Sirak, Sigung, master level in Kuntao Silat um, Dethours. Did I butcher that? Did I butcher the last word? Dethours. Thank you. Uh, Sigung, master level in Yinglung Sing. Is that right? Yep, you got it. Sifu, <laughs> full instructor in Jeet Kune Do Concepts and certified uh, pistol instructor. So. Dr. Conrad, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I got to say first, Evan, you've got a great voice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I never used to like it being recorded. And then uh, when I just started doing the podcast, I was just like, I just got used to it. I was like, all right, I guess this is what I sound like to everyone. Great. So, yep. so yeah, you know, like what impresses me most um, is like, you're not just, you know, it takes a certain amount of level of achievement to get the black belt. And, you know, they say, like, what I've heard is, like, black belt essentially has mastered the basics. But it takes, like, exponentially to get to the higher levels of black belt. And, like, I read through your bio, and it's just, like, and I skipped a lot of the details. I kind of hit, like, the high points. And it's just, like, an insane amount of experience. So how long have you been doing martial arts? Uh, for over 40 years now. Oh, jeez. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll be even longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're in great shape too. Uh, we'll drop a link to your um, Instagram handle. Um, you're still super lean, super athletic. Uh, you still compete, right, in jujitsu and muay thai? Yeah, right? in, in uh, jujitsu. Okay, gotcha. All right, so, whew, so many questions I got. So many questions. Um, so let's start kind of more towards the beginning. We're gonna, if you're joining us for the first time, this is primarily an obstacle course racing focused podcast. But what we like to do is take people who have achieved a high level in other subjects, such as martial arts, and we take the lessons they use to get better at martial arts and just kind of apply that to obstacle course racing. So we'll, we're going to talk about martial arts for a lot of it, and we're going to kind of draw out some lessons learned as we uh, go throughout. So, uh, Conrad, take me through, you know, like, how did you get started in martial arts? Oh, wow. Uh, uh Two reasons, and these are two reasons that a lot of people start in martial arts, too, who uh, I've, I've met and asked them that same question. And uh, the first reason is uh, being bullied. Uh, mm. Growing up as an Asian kid in Aurora, Colorado in the, the 80s um, was not an easy thing to, to endure sometimes, but... Uh, uh, you know, and, and kids still be kids. You know, uh, there's there's the racism. There's uh, issues of, of of being bullied, and um, so so that's my first reason. And the second reason is uh, when I watched Enter the Dragon the first time when I was about six or seven, and wow, it just what I remember the feeling of watching that and just the way Bruce Lee moved and, and his confidence and and uh, just him expressing the human body. I, I just thought, wow, this is cool. This is something I, I want to learn, uh, learn eventually. And luckily I did. Uh, 
Yeah. You um, know, it's fun. It's funny. You say being bullied and it, like, I look at you now and all your qualifications and, you know, we, I went to a seminar with you a couple of weeks ago and I just, it, you see like the end product and like, I can't imagine it going back in time. Um, you know, but people change over the years. So it's just been, it's just interesting to, to hear that. And then, you know, enter the dragon, I feel like has brought more people into martial arts than possibly anything else in the entire world. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. So you start training in uh, martial arts. I'm guessing you started in Taekwondo. That seems to be most people's usual start. Yeah. yeah um, well, uh, I, I, I started in Aikido under my father at home. And then uh, later on, I, I, I wanted to do something like more cool, which is go to a school, a commercial school. And yeah, uh, later on, I, um, I started doing Taekwondo um, around 12 years old and uh, uh, great art. You know, if you, if somebody's looking for a martial art where they want a great workout, Taekwondo is one of those arts because you're jumping around a lot, you're kicking a lot, um, you're, you're using a lot of your major muscle groups, and that that'll that'll really help uh, your cardiovascular help burn fat there as well too. Got it. So you get your like take me through the process now. So you you know you, you achieve you get your black belt or you you get your multiple black belts, and then like. At what point do we start branching out into other styles? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I started as a kid in Taekwondo and I, I, I participated in the, the tournaments, the open tournaments back in the day where there were other styles, Kempo, Kung Fu, uh, 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 different styles of karate uh, that competed at the tournaments. Uh, that, that was a really good um, avenue of uh, a sport for kids as well too. Uh, eventually, I, um, I as, as I grew older, I got out of the sport and I wanted to uh, try different martial arts. And my second art was actually Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. I, I, I trained that in college and that really opened my mind because it's more of a concepts approach and also Bruce Lee advocated to, to uh, research outside of, of your art. And uh, he also said that no one race, no one group has a monopoly on knowledge. Mm. And so um, uh, that, that, that uh, motivated me to, to learn outside uh, the Taekwondo art and even outside of Jeet Kune Do itself. Um, uh, Bruce Lee, although uh, before he died, he, he had the, the best technology for martial arts and, um, and, uh, uh, I think the spirit of Jeet Kune Do is to continue to research, continue to refine, continue to improve. Um, after uh, college, I went to uh, my graduate school at, for chiropractic. And then uh, uh, at that time, all the Jeet Kune Do guys were uh, into Kali and Silat as well, too. And um, a specific Silat system. Uh, and Silat is a system from Indonesia. And uh, uh, they we were all gravitated towards Silat Sarak, which uh, was brought here by the Detours brothers, um, one of my uh, teachers. And uh, at that time when I went to chiropractic college, um, one of the uh, clinical professors at the college was a Sarak instructor, uh, Dr. Andre. And uh, uh, he took me on as a student and uh, I learned the Sarak system from him. And when I graduated from chiropractic college, I, I, which was in San Jose. And then I'm originally from Colorado. And then I went to San Jose for a chiropractic college. And when I graduated, I came back to, to Denver again. And uh, that's when my, my CELA instructor said, hook up with Willem de Tours, uh, which is another uh, famous person in CELOT. And yeah, just one thing led to the other. And um, Uncle Bill, um, which is what he likes us to call him, Uncle Bill. Uh, his, his name, first name's Willem, but he likes us to call him Uncle Bill. And he taught a, a system called Kuntao Silat. And Kuntao is basically a Chinese martial arts like Kung Fu um, uh, by way of Indonesia. And uh, uh, he, he, he taught uh, in his backyard. And then at that time, I also, uh, I, I was always interested in, in the traditional Chinese arts. And he had a friend, um, Uncle Wayne, and Uncle Wayne taught Bagua Zong. And 
Uh, Baguazhang is a Chinese art that, that has roots in Taoism and uh, the Wudong Mountains. Uh, you might have heard the, the rap group Wu-Tang Clan. They, yeah. took, they took their name from the Wudong Mountains. And, and uh, I, I think that the, the, the group, they, they really like the old school Kung Fu movies. And so they took it from that. But uh, the Wudong Mountains is, is known for like a Taoism and a very mystical type of things. Uh, so, so I learned Bagua as well too, which is a Kung Fu internal style. And uh, about 14 years ago, I up and moved from Denver, Colorado to San Francisco. And um, uh, in San Francisco, close to my house, there was a Muay Thai gym that uh, I drove by and I thought, wow, I've always wanted to try Muay Thai. And so um, I, I stopped by and yes, yeah, signed up, you know, everyone was super friendly. It looked like a really cool gym. And then um, they had a BJJ program as well too. And I signed up for that and I've been there since. Uh, and so uh, that's my journey through the martial arts. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, it's just so awesome that you've touched on so many different styles and some of them are like wildly different, right? Like the, mm-hmm. um, um, the Ying, Ying Lung Sing, the, yes. uh, the like internal, like it's, I'm looking, I'm looking at reading through your, I'm looking at your bio as we talk, right? You know, being mm-hmm. like internal based and Tai Chi, like, um, yes, it's just so, so interesting. And then at the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, you have, uh, uh, lot and like Kali and, you know, Muay, Muay Thai, which is like hard striking. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, why? Why did you explore so many? Did you, did you just kind of like internalize the Bruce Lee's philosophy or were you just, um, you know, like, why, why do yeah. you enjoy such a broad concept there? Uh, a couple reasons. Uh, one is Bruce Lee's, uh, one of Bruce Lee's top students, Dan Inosanto, he, uh, he, he was, he, I think he was the pioneer of, of breaking the mold, saying that, you know, you it is possible to, to become very proficient in more than one system. There used to be a, a rumor going around, especially in the, the 80s in the martial arts world, that you could only master one system in your whole lifetime. And even a lifetime isn't enough. So don't even bother trying to master two, three, four, or five. But uh, Guru Dan Inosanto, he broke that mode. And he, he, he clearly showed that, yeah, you can actually uh, be very proficient in several martial arts. And so uh, he is one reason um, why a lot of people do that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then the other reason for me was personal. I, I, I always wanted to see what was the ultimate martial art, like which art was better than other art, uh, especially uh, in, 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 in the um, context of defending yourself. And so I, that was my search as well, too. Every art that I, I hopped from one art to the next and um, became an instructor in those arts. Um, each time it, it was that there was, there was a dissatisfaction there mm. uh, in each of those arts. So Taekwondo, I knew inside, you know, you can't, you can't head kick when you're 70 or 80 and you probably don't want to do that on the street anyways, although it's a great exercise and it's a great sport for kids. Uh, that wasn't it. And even Jeet Kune Do, although we're exploring all these arts, it was just too confusing to me. There was too many arts, too many techniques. And I thought, well, that's kind of confusing. And then when I went to Silat, man, it, it, all, the, all the rumor was Silat was the bomb, maximum efficiency um, with your movements, maximum devastation. And, and yeah, Silat was awesome. But that, it, it, to me, it didn't hold all the answers. Uh, Kuntal Silat, uh, same thing too. It's an amazing system, very brutal. And um, to me, it, it still didn't have, <coughs> excuse me, it still didn't have all the answers. Uh, same thing with Muay Thai, you know, it's, it's a devastating sport in the ring and MMA, but uh, it, it didn't have all the answers. And same with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as well too. I mean, if you end up on the ground and you're proficient on the ground, uh, that's a great skill to have, but um, that's not somewhere where I want to end up <laughs> in a street fight either. Right. And, and so, yeah, all, all, all of those um, arts were like a, a stepping stone and um, a, a growth in, in, in my search for what I would consider 
uh, a street effective system. And, and so um, all, the, all that frustration uh, led me to, to, to like just say, okay, uh, if I was in a fight, you know, what would I use? What, what, what should I use? Uh, and so uh, that's, that's where it, it led into the Tiga tactics. Yeah, so I want to jump into Tiga tactics in a minute. But, you know, your description of going through martial arts reminds me of a lot of the obstacle course racing world where we get, we get guys that are like, this is the one brand I do, and I do not deviate outside this brand. And then you have other people who are like sampling a little bit of this, sampling a little bit of that. And they're like, oh, you know, because every, every race is different and stresses like a different point of athleticism. Um, mm. so it just kind of reminds me of uh, kind of like the people I hang out with kind of exploring a little bit of everything. And, you know, we, 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 we eventually we kind of find, you know, all right, well, I, I do mostly this brand, but then I also sprinkle in some of these brands and then I do, you know, whatever. Mm. But uh, yeah, kind of interesting. So you have the essentially the equivalent of eight different black belts and eight different styles. Um, were you, is there any style that like you're still on like your bucket list? Like, all right, after I, you know, you know, I need to get this in after, or are you kind of like riding out uh, Muay Thai and uh, BJJ for, for you future? know, I thought, I thought I was done I, for, with, with, with martial arts. I thought I was done, but then during the pandemic, uh, I, I started Eido uh, and Eido is like a very traditional art. I'd say it's, it's like very, it's more of a cultural art than a mm. martial art. And it's uh, the art of drawing the sword, uh, the katana, the, the samurai sword. And it, it, it's really cool because it teaches the samurai culture and the etiquette and, and just the history of this, this very rich art. And, and it's more forms and things like that. And I, I just thought, oh, no more forms. I can't do it anymore. I, I just got too many forms in my head right now. But yeah, I, I went ahead and I've been doing Iaido for a little more than a year. And it's, it's such a cool art. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So take me into development of Tiga Tactics. Uh, so Tiga Tactics was uh, born out of my frustration and Patrick's frustration uh, of all these arts we've gone through. And um, uh, there, I, I learned in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, this law known as Hicks law, and, and Hicks law states that the more you know, the 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 re, there's actually going to be uh, increase in your response time. So, in other words, if if um, if if I have so many techniques or, or or so many possible avenues of responses, and let's say I'm attacked, that actually will increase my reaction time because my mind's shuffling through all this information trying to figure out what the hell to do and 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 when that's happening my my reaction time drastically increases so um i had so much information that i had to kind of shuffle through everything and uh figure that out and and the the interesting thing is all these arts and styles every one of them whether that was muay thai or brazilian jiu-jitsu or Taekwondo, or, or Silat, we all attacked each other in very specific ways. And I, I, I instinctively knew, well, if I was attacked on the street, that's probably not the way they're going to attack me. So since I was so involved in the martial arts, I had to go back and, and study lots of footage to figure out how people actually attacked you on the street, because... <laughs> Being uh, involved in martial arts so much, I I I totally had uh, I was answering all the wrong questions mm. for uh, being attacked on the street. So uh, that's uh, so our, our my, my first step was and and Patrick kind of did this off on his own too. My first step was to um, study surveillance footage and really figure out how people were attacking each other on the street. And uh, we we found out that there was um, four types of attacks that are pretty much, uh, you know, very life-threatening attacks um, that happen on the street. And then when someone attacks you on the street, it's, it's a very a basic way of attacking you. And uh, that was uh, just, just a big eye-opener for me right there was to figure out what was the reality of the situation. Yeah, I love that approach. Um, so that's what I found you guys online. I think it was a little a year or two ago and that's what drew me in the fact that you were like we looked at all this footage 
here's what we figured out what was going on and then you use that to craft like a response to it 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 just made so much sense and the responses you guys came up with are so um there's like they're simple to execute like you watch it and you're like oh is that it but then it's like <laughs> you refine it and you know um it, it's like the the tech like my, my wife is not going to go to uh martial arts classes four times a week like me right she's just not going to do it my my daughter is not going to do that but um you know the skills that you teach in your online programs i can take those and teach them Mm -hmm. uh, and then they can be you know effective at um you know obviously the more they practice the better they'll get but they i give them like a baseline level of confidence and a baseline uh, understanding of like what they're likely to encounter actually on the streets and yeah i was just i was just blown like i i I took your first your guys' uh, everyday carry uh, program online for about mm. for knives, and I was just like, "Oh, these guys are great! Like, this is exactly what I was looking for." So I can't say enough good things. Um, Thank you so much. You know, and, and it it really is like forty plus years in the making because um, after we we figured out how the attacks were, you know, we had to look through all our art and try to figure a logical response to these. Uh, based on all, all the techniques that we already knew. And there, there's hundreds of techniques that mm-hmm. you can use for any of these. And I think uh, for some advanced martial artists, they're kind of, they're, they're kind of uh, put off by how simple it is because they think it should be more complicated. And yeah. I, I think, um, you know, when somebody's attacking you, it, your, your response needs to be crystal clear in your mind what you're going to do right then and there. Uh, without having to second guess yourself. And so in, in essence, you're not fighting yourself because there's already somebody trying to kill you. And so uh, you're, 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 all your focus is just on that, that threat right there. So uh, 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 that's why it's simple. And, uh, and uh, hopefully it'll, it'll reduce people's response times if they ever have to use it. Right. Yeah, I love that you were saying it's, you know, it's 40 years in the making because again, we ran through your bio and the reason I wanted to do that first is to say, to show that like you had so much options at your arsenal and you like distilled it down to like four, th- essentially four, four things. Like here's, uh, you know, here's, here's base types of attacks. Here's the base. Here's how we're going to respond. This is what we're going to use as, as you have a slight variation of it for the, the different types of attacks. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, really good, really good system and uh, um, kind of concept and brand you've come up with here. Yeah. Full, full disclosure, everyone listening. Uh, Evan is an instructor with us. As well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so, new. Uh, <laughs> We're going to get to that. That's new. That, that, that was not when I started uh, like really following you guys. I was just some random dude who uh, signed up because Black Belt Magazine sent me like a, a discounted code. And I was like, oh, like, uh, I, got, I got some I got some money to, to spend. I'll, I'll, I'll do this and I kind of, you know, round out some of my martial arts skills. Cool. So speaking of that, um, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, as of this recording, uh, um, I'm like, I'm, I tell my friends, yeah, I'm going to Baltimore this weekend. They're like, oh, you going to another race? I'm like, no, I'm going for knife fighting. And they're like, like what? <laughs> you're like, you're going to knife fight in Baltimore? It's like, yeah, it's kind of complicated. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we went and I took my uh, two brother-in-laws that live in the area and we yep. went to the... Um, kind of uh, edge weapon seminar that you and Patrick put on. Yep. And uh, it was, it was really good. You know, it um, reinforced a lot of lessons. We got a lot of reps in and uh, you know, you disguise the reps in game format and we were having like competitions. And um, so like, you know, at the end of Saturday, I didn't realize until like you pointed out, like how many reps I had simply done of like, you know, creating space and drawing, uh, drawing a knife and a lot of, you know, a lot of bladed systems, I feel like start off with like, all right, we're going to do knife fighting. So everyone grab your knives and line up, you know, and it's like, <laughs> right. It's like, well, I skipped the most important part. I skipped the point where like, I have to draw the knife. And if I'm in a knife attack, like someone's going to be like right on top of me. So like, I need to create some space so I can physically draw my knife. Um, so take me through like your methodology, because I think the methodology you use for learning skills for martial arts can same can be applied to obstacle course racing. So take me through your methodology for like learning a complex skill or learning a physical movement. Yeah, you know, um, and, and uh, you know all this already, but uh, we, we'd like to start things out slow. Uh, and 
slow solo training. In other words, just just slow training by yourself. Uh, combat sports, of course, there's there's um, a, a combat sports as well as, as defending yourself. There's another opponent there. But uh, when whenever we approach a complex uh, skill set, especially when there's there's another uh, potential source of of violence from another person. Uh, we, we, we always want to start out slow in a safe environment. Uh, it's with what we call solo training. In other words, you're just training on your own. Uh, if there's a piece of equipment or something like that, we, we, we uh, encourage people to uh, just, just train without that piece of equipment first and, and just try to visualize things. Um, uh, so, so uh, uh, an art that really was um, focused on this was Tai Chi, and Tai Chi, everything's done slow. It's it's a very meditative process, uh, but but in in the fact of doing it slow, you're able to uh, be completely mindful of your body mechanics. So you're completely aware of what your toes doing, what the ball of your foot's doing, what your ankles doing, where is your knee position, where's that hip. Where's the, the core? Where's your head in relationship to your shoulders and your hips and your knees? Um, those are all very important uh, uh, aspects to understand, regardless of the sport you're doing, whether it's tennis, martial arts, uh, firearms training, uh, uh, just, just having the right awareness of your body not only will improve your biomechanics, but it'll help reduce injury as well too. So we always like to start off slow, even a simple palm strike. Uh, nice and slow and tr and really try to figure out what our body's trying to accomplish in the most efficient way. Uh, and from, from that, you know, after uh, performing a few reps, after really understanding your body, and I think that's also a great warm-up too. Uh, it, it, it starts to move your joints, starts to increase circulation. It also... Um, improves your proprioceptive sense. So I think this is great in the obstacle course is uh, a, a person's sense of balance. Where are you in space? Mm -hmm. So by doing things slow, it, it activates your mechanoreceptors and your mechanoreceptors is, is what creates coordination for you. It, it, it's what allows you to understand where you are in space. Am I too, leaning too far forward? Am I leaning too far backward, to the left, to the right? Am I too twisted? Um, by doing things slow, you're able to activate those mechanoreceptors, create that proper muscle memory, and in fact, um, reduce injuries as well too. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, <laughs> excuse me, is there any kind of a slow training at all in preparation for obstacle courses, Evan? No, I wouldn't say it's slow, um, it's, it's deliberate. So, I mean, you're still moving at a decent pace as far as like mm. going across obstacles, uh, mm. but you're, you know, you want to get the you want to get the movements and the mechanics down first before mm. you before you try to go fast. You know, the the saying that I, I think I've heard you use, I, I know we use in the military, like slow is smooth and smooth is fast. The same goes for obstacle course racing. Like if I'm crossing a rig and I'm like real jerky and I'm like tense, I'm like fighting my own. You know, like my antagonistic muscles are like fighting against me, and I'm mm -hmm. you know missing I'm missing the holds. Versus if I just focus on like, all right, grab the next ring, grab the next hold make the transition, you know, mm. you move, you move smoother and you move, which ends up being faster and you use less energy, which you can save then for later obstacles or for running. So it, it has a crossover. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, yeah. And so like what you said, you know, slow is smooth. And so that's our next portion of training. We try to, whatever uh, skill we're trying to accomplish after we clearly understand the, the hows and why we're moving the way we want to move. Uh, we, we start uh, sending out, smoothing out the edges and start moving a little smoother. Maybe uh, push yourself to uh, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% at most uh, speed. And then uh, once you, you understand that and, and everything is in order, then you, you can finally go fast. And so um, I think uh, that that whole mantra uh, as slow as smooth and smooth as fast. It's just a great, uh, a, a great guideline to use for training as well, too. Yeah. You know, and even with obstacle course racing, similar, like we want the training to be progressive, right? So I don't, I don't be like, all right, I want you to run as hard as you can for a mile and then try this obstacle. 
because that is a that is a hard skill. Instead, mm. you know, we focus on all right, do just the obstacle. All right, like once you can do just the obstacle, then we'll add in like all right, jogging before it, and then do, doing the obstacle, and then you can add in eventually like running, and then the obstacle. You know, and if you're having trouble at a specific part of the obstacle, we break it. I break it down even smaller, right? So all right, you can't make you know, from hold three to hold four, because it's like a weird shape, you know, instead of starting all the way at the beginning, why don't we just do a smaller portion? So we'll just do holds three and four and kind of rep that for a while and then mm. kind of build it out and then build it out from there. So, uh, I don't know, similar to the way for like more traditional martial arts, martial arts, like the way, uh, the way, at least the way I practice, like a kata, or like a form, right? Like I will, I'll break it into smaller chunks and that are manageable. Mm-hmm you know, rep those for a while and then eventually put it together. Um, otherwise you're the beginning of the form gets, you know, a hundred reps because you're doing it every time. And then the end of the form only gets 10 reps. Sometimes <laughs> you mess up and that's yes. not ideal. Um, so they, you know, similar. And even with endurance obstacle course races. So like, I don't, when I go and look at a race, I don't like the race I did uh, last weekend. Like I didn't, I didn't look at it as a 12 hour race. I kind of, break it into whatever I can mentally handle at the time. So I look at it, you know, all right, it's, it's only, it's only nine laps, um, which is still really far, but for some reason, nine laps seems a lot shorter to me than 12 hours. <laughs> so uh, so uh, I, I think uh, bouncing off what you were talking about, how, how you, you chunk it down into a smaller uh either break it down to, to smaller sections or even to, to smaller movements. Uh, that's something we do in martial arts as well, too. I, uh, I like to call it micro drilling. Mm. And, and so the micro drilling, and, and just like what you talked about, like the katas, how you, you, you'd like to work uh, the beginning, middle, and let's say in, 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 in somewhat equal parts so that you're not just all focused on the beginning and, and, and only get 10 reps at the end. Uh, of your form, uh, uh, I, I think that 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 kind of micro drilling can be uh, used in so many different ways. Uh, for example, uh, uh, let's let's say we're talking about like just a palm strike. You know, the palm strike. What is it? The hand comes out, and you're striking with the the palm, and the hand comes back in, just so that you can possibly chamber it again to strike a, a second time, or or use your hand for some other function. But uh, if we, we just look at that, that simple motion, well, the, the, there, there's actually three steps that we can take. So, so we could focus on just the palm coming out and then relaxing our hand. So we could palm as fast as we can with extension and then just let our hand relax back. So our, our nervous system is focused on just one thing, the extension. Um, then the, and, and, you know, you, you, could, you could set a timer, do maybe... 30 second rounds, one minute rounds, two minute rounds, whatever you feel like doing. And then the second round, uh, we could start with the palm extended and then we just quickly retract it back. So, and then we slowly extend it and then retract it back fast. So now our, 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 our mind, our nervous system is just training that second half where it retracts. Gotcha. And finally, the, the, the third round, you put it together and you'll actually see how fast you are, uh, how much faster you can perform because now your mind clearly understands come out fast, bring it back in quickly as well too. And so you'll see that your, your reps getting much faster, uh, your, your, uh, your speed improving quite a bit by doing just the micro drilling and, and a palm strike is very simple, but if we, we break something more complex, uh, like a cotter or something, you, you could also um, uh, create smaller drills for each of those as well too gotcha talk to me a little bit about the importance of like uh consistency in training in general oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah well consistency is key um i i think uh especially in, in sports or martial arts uh gosh there's a thousand and one reasons not to show up to train yeah a, a thousand more than a thousand and one reasons you know and and uh, the, the thing is no matter how i felt or what kind of issues i've had in my life i've always felt better after training and i i was always very happy that i showed up to training um uh so so not only is consistency 
going to improve your performance in your sport. I, for me, I think it improves my life as well too. Because don't you feel accomplished after you had a great workout? Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, I'm sure you've had days. Well, maybe not you, Evan, because <laughs> you're Iron Man. But uh, the, the rest of us mortals, we've had days where it's like, man, I, 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 just, I just don't feel like working out. You know, I don't feel it today. But, but, you know, those days are the days where I really have to tell myself, get your ass into the gym, man. Shut your yeah. mouth. Just, just get there. Just get there. And, and I tell my students, uh, just show up. That's it. Yeah. Just, just get your butt in the car and just show up. Once you, you're in class, your instructor will take over and, and just go for the ride. Even if you don't push yourself hard, 110%, and you just push yourself 80 or 60%, and you're just there for the ride, you'll still be that much better than just staying home, uh, vegging out on the couch. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it happens every, almost every day, every week. You know, I was, I was supposed to go to jujitsu tonight. I got back at 6 p.m. and I was exhausted. And I was like, I just got to lay down for five minutes. I slept, <laughs> I literally slept for five minutes, got up, like groggily put on my gate. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine once I get to the gym. And <laughs> Sure enough, I had a you know great class. It was uh, glad I went, but beforehand I was I was dreading it. And uh, you know even with runs, I don't like running for ten hours or not ten hours. Running for ten miles on a training day is not it's not like a super amount of fun. Like I don't I don't love that. Um, but I love the end result, right? Like I love you know going to a race and doing well and that feeling of accomplishment. And I understand that there's going to be delayed gratification, right? Like I put in the work now, I put in the effort now. And when I get whatever my next belt or my next certificate or my next, uh, you know, podium or just finishing a race, yes. um, that's where the reward lies. And that's the feeling of accomplishment I'm, you know, I'm chasing after. Yep, absolutely. And going back to the consistency, uh, I think if there is a secret to improving in anything, whether that's martial arts or obstacle course or CrossFit or whatever you want to do. Uh, it's it, the, the secret would be space, time, repetition. Mm -hmm. so, so that means like just doing it over and over and over after years and you'll get good. There, there, that, that, if there is a secret, and so it sounds rather boring, but if, if there is a secret to improving in whatever it is that you want to improve upon. And it could be music or tennis, basketball, badminton. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it's just, just showing up to class and, and putting in the time and, and uh, just, just investing in yourself. Yes. Yeah. Face time repetition there. I can't agree more. Um, you familiar with the 10,000 hour rule? By mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just wrote, I, there's an article for our listeners up on OCR World Championships, their uh, blog there about 10,000 hours and kind of the importance of it. And um, yeah, you know, for like, for me, for running, I mean, I ran, I played, I played sports not very well in high school and then, you know, ran for, I ran my first marathon in 2003 and I didn't start obstacle course racing in 2014. So I had 10 plus years of like running experience before I transitioned into obstacle course racing. So when I started obstacle course racing, I started, I, I did well from the beginning because I'd been training it and not knowing for it, but I've been training for like that sport for a long time. Um, so, you know, when people show up and they're like, oh, why am I not, well, how do I get faster? It's like, well, you be patient and you put in time work, like you're saying over, over, uh, you know, spread out like your body recover and repeat. And then you just like ad nauseum, you like, you need to do it to the point where it, <laughs> it's the point where it's like. You know, people are looking at you and they're like, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're not getting better. And it's like, no, it's happening. It's just, it's just really slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when, when you become elite, like, like, like you are, Evan, uh, there's definitely diminishing returns. Like oh, for you to get progress, you've got to push really hard compared to the, the, the person who's maybe doing it three, four months, they're, they're, uh, their their progression is going to be at a much faster pace than where you're at right now. Yeah. And I could even see that when I, when I started martial arts, I went from, you know, I was I, like, I know what I looked like at the beginning. And within a couple of months I was like, Oh, that was terrible. And then like, 
you know, a couple months later, I'm like, oh, that last version of me was terrible, you know, and then <laughs> like it happens every couple of months. And um, mm-hmm. it, it, the the improve the improvements are getting smaller. I, I still can tell I'm improving, but sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you don't quite realize it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, you know, there's plateaus. And it, I think I believe there's plateaus in, in any discipline. And uh, just 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 again space time repetition pushing through those things maybe getting some advice from somebody else who's who's been there done it or even from others outside of your field that'll help you uh, push through those plateaus as well too absolutely which is exactly what we're doing here yeah so the you know part of the edge weapon seminar um you talk through about a lot of the uh, logic behind training and you know i can't i wish i would have taken written notes because almost every slide you had i had a story that either linked directly to either combat or obstacle course racing mm. regarding like a lesson you were trying to uh, drive home um so it was just it was just the, the whole weekend was really good um if when's your you got another one coming up i think in this fall right in california yes yeah so tell us a little bit about what, what you have coming up for tia tactics on the schedule uh, uh so uh we have like also affiliate seminars with other companies and other groups. The next big one will be, well, I'm doing a fundraising seminar in not this weekend, but the following weekend in California for a podcast. And then a month after that, it's the martial arts super show. That's like the the big, uh, I guess, uh, martial arts convention thing. We're presenting Tiga Tactics there, uh, combatives at the martial arts super show. Nice. So my, that, uh, my JKD instructor is going to be going to that. I'll tell him to stop by and say hi. Oh, yeah, I'd love to meet him. Uh, uh, after that, we're, I'm off to uh, uh, Colorado for, for uh, another uh, seminar. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, California. Uh, we'll... We're not sure, uh, but we might be doing knife defense uh, at that seminar there. So uh, that's still kind of up in the air because that's not till I think uh, later in the year. And then uh, we're going to back over to the East Coast to do uh, a survival uh, seminar. Uh, so we're, we're teaming up with a, a survival expert, Tim McWelch. Uh, who's a New York Times bestseller, and so he, we're going out into the wilderness, and he'll teach how to use, let's say, your axe for survival, and then we'll teach you how to use your axe for defense if you ever have to protect your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing with the knife. So he'll 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 teach you how to use your knife uh, for survival skills in the wilderness, and then we'll uh, Patrick and I will teach how to use the knife. Uh, to defend your yourself as well too, so it, it's it's kind of a unique combination, which I think a lot of preppers and uh, zombie apocalypse type <laughs> of people will love. <laughs> the The Walking Dead fans. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds like a great seminar. And if anyone's kind of questioning if, uh, if this sounds interesting to them or question if they should go, I I would highly recommend it. The weekend I had in Baltimore was one of the best weekends of the year by far. I mean. Uh, both the you know the training on Saturday and Sunday was amazing. Um, I got to go out to dinner with you guys Saturday night, which was uh, just a really cool experience. And then um, we met. Uh, so one of the from the the article I wrote for Black Belt Magazine a couple months ago was called "Bring Back uh, WC, WMAC Masters" or "Reboot WMAC Masters." And one of the guys from the '90s TV show who has a gym in Baltimore showed up on Sunday, and I was like super excited to see him like that literally made my morning so oh um, my gosh yeah well i i know you're 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 a serious martial arts nerd Evan. you know about wmac masters and you want to bring them back too oh my gosh it's you know it's just uh it hit it, hit, it, it appeared right around the right time for my age um and i you know it was like it's the martial arts version of pro wrestling and i just thought mm. it was great and um, if anyone's curious to see what it was, that you can YouTube it. So I rewatched it during quarantine. I watched every episode during quarantine. <laughs> so I think, yeah, another day I was like, oh, what am I doing? And um, yeah, it was uh, it was great. Um, you know, obviously very kids focused at the time, but you know, 
if they bring it back, I think that, you know, you update it obviously a little bit for the time, but. <laughs> oh, okay. So I know we're running out of time, but I, I do, would like to talk about recovery. Yeah. I think uh, you, you, you guys, you, you really put a beating on your body. Well, well and just like a martial artist do in, in jujitsu or, or Muay Thai, uh, and, and recovery is the other half of the coin that allows us to practice that space-time repetition of going back over and over and, and having some longevity in what we're, we're doing. But uh, just real quick, Evan, I'm curious, what is the general age of, of a typical age or, or a, a age range for optical course racers? So I'd say it's generally uh, low, low, low 20s to uh, mid, mid 30s. That's kind of the prime, right? So like 23 to 35 is, I'd say, the, the, the bulk of the competitive people. Now, the, the sport itself is, I mean, you can get people. Yeah, I had my daughter, my daughters run courses when she was five. Oh, um, wow. And there are kids courses that are shorter. But my, my daughters ran like her first adult course at, I think, five um i knew the owner so i think the age of amendment was like seven or something but uh they left they let me on anyway and um there's a 83 year old woman who just did a tough mutter um in tough mutter missouri so she's wow so and, and my dad my dad's been on the course he he worked as my pick he works on my pick rope anyone's been the toughest mm-hmm. but he's 74 and he's he's done a tough mutter 5k and then he's done um casey timber challenge so he's done i think almost all versions they have like four different versions the local brand based in kansas city and bonner springs but uh he's done at, at the end of, by the end of july he'll have done all versions of their race so wow yeah it's well, it's, it's really it's really fun for all ages um mm. kind of like martial arts and uh you know just like martial arts you know you don't you don't have to show up trying to win uh mm. like you don't have in martial arts you don't have to go fight in the ufc right or like try to right. or like fight in tournaments you can right. just work out and get a good mm-hmm. learn some life skills mm-hmm. and uh same thing with obstacle course racing you know this sport is probably five to ten percent competitive that's uh oh, wow. like people like me and then the other 90 percent is people they're just out there to have a good time a lot of them like drink beer before <laughs> beforehand you know they dress up in costume they're they're not even remotely concerned about time they don't care if they fail an obstacle um some of them are not even training they're just literally showing up with their friends and uh you know, running through the mud. So, yeah, <laughs> that's cool, though. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd love to uh, maybe talk about in the future, uh, y- you know, recovery and active recovery, and, yeah. and especially for uh, competitors like you who really uh, put your body and you push yourself to the limit quite a bit, you know, uh, to, to, to create some of that longevity and, and to be in the sport longer or not so be not be so decrepit after yeah. beating your body up when you retire as well too. So yeah, I think that's a good uh, topic of discussion one day. Oh, we we can touch on it a little bit now. You know the obviously the you know just like working out or training, um, not racing, right? Like you know getting nutrients in within the first hour is super important because that's going to be used to refill muscle glycogen and uh, start rebuilding uh, you know muscle tissue there. Um, I, I recommend following like a, more of like a bodybuilding type diet where it's, um, you know, low saturated fat proteins, uh, low glycemic carbs and, uh, uh, poly mono and polyunsaturated fats. Um, that's generally what I recommend, but compared to like a, a bodybuilding diet you'd find in mag flex magazine or muscle and fitness, it has a higher carb content because you're, you're burning more energy from running. Uh, that being said, as a, like an endurance athlete, when I run a lot, my desire for food is upregulated substantially and i i have a lot more trouble controlling what i eat so if i stop running completely my my body fat will actually go down uh because i don't crave sugar whereas when i'm running i'm craving i crave sugar like all the time so i i have to use a lot of willpower or um you know i cheat a little bit because i'm like ah well i'll burn this off on the next run (laughs) so um and then other than that you know it's important to take obviously rest days i think in uh um I don't know about, I don't know, it depends on how often people train for martial arts, right? But like, you need to take, like we were talking about, you need to take days to recover and be like, all right, well, I'm just, I'm not doing anything today. I'm just going to relax and uh, maybe go for a walk. If that, you know, there's days when I just lay, I'll just lay, it's a recovery day. I'm like, I'll just lay on the couch as much of the day as I can until my kids uh, force me to get up. Um, (laughs) And, um, you know, I race 
a lot. I race, I would say, too much to really perform at my best on a lot of these. Um, but that's – yeah, I, I race – I race like 15 to 20 times a year and they're not all 12 hours or they're not all six hours or 24. Um, yeah, I got like five K's and uh, a couple mi- five milers in there and 10 milers. Um, but the, I sacrifice um, performance for frequency of racing cause I enjoy it. And because sometimes, you know, my, you know, maybe I'm r- racing at 90%, but sometimes that's still good enough to like squeeze onto the podium. So, you know, sometimes I gamble with that and, uh, go for it but the uh, the recovery products i use um besides obviously eating whole foods is uh my favorite recovery product um primarily for legs is normatech recovery boots you familiar with them no i'm not so normatech recovery boots are these essentially these pants that you put on and they connect to like this compressor thing and they inflate by zone so it essentially gives your legs a massage Oh, okay. Okay. I, I've, I've seen those. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like yeah, a so, big uh, blood pressure cuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a blood pressure cuff for your entire legs and they have hip versions and they have arm versions too. I just own the leg ones. They're expensive. They're super, they're like a thousand, I think 500 uh, mm. for them. They are expensive, but if there's any recovery product I would recommend, it is those. Normatech makes them. There's another company called Rapid Reboot that makes them um, because it's the one recovery product you can put on and I can literally lay there and not move. Yeah. And, and it feels nice versus every other form of recovery. I get, you know, stretching takes energy and motion and even like a, like a percussion gun, the ones that like do the massages, even uh, that takes, you got to move it around. Like the Normatech boots I can put on and go take a nap mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm recovering. It, it's essentially doing a cool down jog without having to do anything. Cause it's just, flushing that blood um through your legs so yeah and then the last thing i'd say is take an off season for our obstacle course race right like if you're always beating up your body you know at some point you need to recover and uh to me that's why i think i've had uh you know i've been running endurance races for almost 20 years now i think it's because i you know between november and february i i you know between november and january 1st i typically don't run at all so like two months, I just stopped running, period. Okay, um, yeah. And then I let my body recover, let all these like, you know, um, I usually switch to like a strength training focus to kind of round out some of my fitness. And then I bring back in uh, running in January and, um, you know, start building up again. So where people will be like, oh, I'm just going to ride. I'm still in such good shape. I'm just going to ride it through. And it's like, but, you know, you can do that for a year or two maybe. And then you get burned out uh, physically. You might get an injury or mentally. You know, I think that's, that's what, that's what stops most people from training, whether I think it is martial arts or, uh, uh, OCR or running, like they just mentally, you know, getting up every day to run is exhausting or getting up every day to train can be exhausting. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, burnout's a real thing, especially at your level where, where you're, you're, you're at the edge quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you. So you've trained at a lot of schools. Um, some of the schools I've trained that have a high turnover rate. Is there any way that you found to like maybe keep people engaged or like identify people um, that have a, a lower turnover rate? You know what I'm saying? Well, um, I, I think uh, for some people, and this, I think this goes for any type of discipline, whether that's music or optical course racing or martial arts. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who just try it, and mm-hmm. maybe it's just not for them. True. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's just something uh, I have to grapple with because I I really think martial arts is for everybody. <laughs> everyone should train martial arts like everyone should eat. I was, I was about to say you're gonna throw out the quote. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I gotta throw that quote out. And, and uh, I. But but I, I I need to take a step back and 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 you know it's 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 just like any other subject you know it's it, it's not for everybody and and that's one thing that I need to understand as well too but uh yeah other than that you you, you know it's 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 just creating a safe environment for your students um, make sure it's safe that everyone feels safe that that there there should be no reason why anyone ever feels like they're in danger of injuring themselves or or uh, or, or, or getting some kind of, of concussion or something. There there should be never be that. And then 
uh, have fun. I, I think uh, uh, if, if you're having fun, you'll, you'll stick to it longer, no matter yeah. what you're doing, whether that's music or optical course racing, try to have fun, of course, uh, bring friends with you. If, if it takes music for you to have fun, uh, use that if you need to, or, 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 or whatever way that you can have fun. As an instructor, I, I try to keep things light. I, I joke around a lot with my students. I also encourage my students as well, too, just to make sure that they know it's safe and that, that you know, they, they can have some fun in there as well, too. Yeah. Yeah, you, the atmosphere at that seminar was really good. It's always weird, like, walking into a new gym or dojo, and, like, you sometimes you walk in, people are, like, eyeing you up. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was very welcoming, and uh, uh, Mr. Scott, Scott, Dr. Scott there, um, the owner of the uh, gym, was very nice and super welcoming, so that was cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm uh, running out of time. I've, I've got something I've got to head on to. Me but, too. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. And, and I, yeah, I, I would still love to talk more about recovery. You know, I'm, I'm a chiropractor. And so uh, I, I look at um, things um, possibly a little bit differently. But uh, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the, the podcast. I, I really enjoyed my time with you. Yeah, anytime, comrade. Give me a give me a call if you have any questions, and we'll uh, we'll touch base. Um, all right, we're gonna let you go, and uh, I will give our audience some other information uh, after you sign off. Appreciate all it. All right. We'll catch you later. All right. Good night, everyone. Thank you. I appreciate comrade coming on. That was uh, the like I said, that seminar I went to was so 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 much fun. Uh, a lot of great lessons and experience there. Uh, if anyone wants to take any Fatigue Tactics online classes, uh, you can use code Strength and Speed. So that's all lowercase. Strength and Speed is not the N symbol; it's spelled out A and D um, when you actually enter the code, and that gives you fifty percent off their their online courses. So they have a bunch. They have they call it a uh, stab proof, uh, punch proof, club proof, everyday carry, carambit, and then um, there's a women's self defense course, course fighting chance combatives. And uh, there's a machete one. So uh, I, my, the EDC caravan was my favorite one. If anyone has any questions about any of them, I think I've taken all of them. So you can uh, just shoot me a message and I will gladly answer them for you. Other than that, pick up uh, on Endurance, the uh, latest obstacle course. Well, that, that's not an obstacle course. That's an any endurance sport book. So it is, it is phenomenal for anyone who's, you know, whether they're doing cycling or running or um, swimming or triathlon, or they, they want to get involved in obstacle course racing. So what we did is we took lessons from the podcast, and we pulled out lessons and applied them to just kind of endurance in, in general. And it's really like a step-by-step guide as opposed to um, you trying to like read a biography and figuring out what the lessons are, or you know you read some of these books and they're like, no pain, no gain. It's like, yeah, that's not really good advice. Um, you know, That's good advice for there's specific moments when that makes sense, but as a general rule, like you don't, you don't just apply that to every situation. So we, what I really did was try to take it step by step and give you like, all right, do this, now do this, now do this, now do this. When you show up to a race, here's some guidelines you need to adhere to. So check out on Endurance. I got the digital and hard copy on Amazon, or you can order the hard copy from me uh, if you want it signed. Other than that, at the time of this publication, my OCR Everest charity event for 2022 should be done. So hopefully that went well. I will check out the video that Bobby Ross is producing. I'm not sure what channel it's going to be on. It might be on Tough Bunder. It might be on my personal page might be on strength and speed uh we're not sure we're publishing that but look for it i'll drop the link in it uh, in the in the show notes below make sure you check it out bobby ross always does phenomenal work and then please donate to infinite hero foundation uh the fundraiser um you know every dollar helps us get a little bit closer to the goal so please donate even if it's only like a dollar it really like really the the thought really counts a lot for me so when i see someone's name i recognize on there or someone's name i don't recognize you know the fact that they take the time to even just donate a dollar, a couple dollars, like, you know, the price of a cup of coffee, whatever it is, um, you know, really just helps uh, get that a little bit closer. Got two articles up on OCR World Championships website, the 10,000 hour one, and then kind of a general guideline, kind of a construct for how to train for grip obstacles. Kind of basically you mimic the hand movement, mimic the body motion, and uh, some other good tips. So you can head over to OCRWG's website, check out their blog, uh, sign up for their races, also, we got Battle of the Lions is back in, back in action. They got three races this year. Uh, Kansas City should have passed already. There's the same weekend as OCR Everest. And then we've got Dallas coming up and Oklahoma City. Uh, all right, I think that's about it for now. 
We'll catch all of you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks again, Conrad, for coming on. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, head back and listen to the Patrick Wong episode that uh, came out last year. And uh, you can get a little more information about Tiga Tactics. And then I also I'll drop some links in the, in the show notes down below uh, for Tiga Tactics and uh, as well as the, the 50% off code down below. All right. We'll catch all of you later. Mm-hmm.